All right, so we're in John chapter 13. We're going to pick up today in verse 18, where Jesus predicts his betrayal. Now, remember, we wrapped up last week with uh, people being blessed if they do the things that Jesus has told them to do. And when he, in the context of this blessing, Jesus says these words, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me, which we just read from Psalm 41, verse 9. I am telling you how now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I will tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Let's pray. Our gracious and holy God, our Lord and Father above, we thank you for your son and we thank you for this look into this meal that he shared with his disciples, with all of his disciples. Lord, as we look at your word, as we look at how your son interacted with those who followed him and yes, even the one who betrayed him, we ask that you open our hearts to show us how to treat one another within the family of God. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Betrayal, unfortunately, is something that each and every one of us will have to suffer or have already suffered in our lifetime, whether it's the betrayal of a spouse or the betrayal of a, someone that we thought was a friend or even the betrayal of a country against those who have stood up to support it and those who have worked for the good of the country. Each and every one of us will be betrayed at some point. Unfortunately for most of us, we don't see it coming. If it's a betrayal of a friend, we think everything is going well. We, we trust this person. We love this person. We have poured our heart out to this person at times. And yet we'll be surprised when it comes out of left field that they have broken our trust. They have betrayed some of those very secrets that we entrusted to them thinking that they had our back. Jesus is God and God knows all. And so Jesus knew exactly who was going to be that person for him, that person who was going to betray the trust that he had given to him, the person who was going to stab him in the back. And today I want to look at, I want us to look at how Jesus treated that person, how Jesus treated Judas. First, to kind of give you the context of where we are in the, the context of this meal. We, 
we gather around a, a, a table for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or some type of meal where we gather as family or friends and we everything is set out. We get out our Southern Living magazines or we look online for how the forks are supposed to be set up and just that special way to, to fold the napkins for our special dinner. Or maybe you're like our family sometime, everything just gets dumped in the middle of the table and everybody passes it out as we go. But However it is, we're we're used to gathering at a table, pulling up our chairs and our benches and sitting there and feasting and fellowshipping. And the feasting and fellowship part is has been part of special meals throughout the history of humanity. But we haven't always sat in chairs. Jesus and his disciples would have been at this meal and for special occasions like this, they would have reclined. They would have laid on cushions on the floor. And of course, the table would have been such that they could do this. And um, they would have been each leaning upon their left hand, their left shoulder as they leaned upon the floor. And they would be able to reach over with their right hand and grab the food off of the table. Well, this meant that they all stacked up kind of back to front. So Jesus would have been leaning here eating uh, the way we're told here that uh, John was able to kind of lean back and talk to him. John would have been right here in front of Jesus. And then more than likely, we'll look, there's some clues in the text here that says Judas would have been right behind Jesus or if they had been facing the table on Jesus's left, which is a place of honor. So when we see John lean back into Jesus chest, it's because that's the only way he could talk to Jesus. Being right there next to Jesus and Jesus behind him, he just kind of had to lean back and go, hey, what are you talking about? And uh, so that's the picture that we have of them reclining around the table. The, this was also something if this was just a regular, average, ordinary day meal, they might have been sitting up on their uh, what we would call Indian style around the table. But for special occasions like this Passover, like this Last Supper, they would have been leaning. They would have been reclining. And so just kind of keep that picture in mind as we discuss uh, how Jesus treats Judas with hospitality, how Jesus treats Judas with protection and how Jesus treats Judas with grace. First, Jesus is very hospitable to Joseph, to Jude. Jesus is very hospitable to Judas. They could have mixed up the names there a little bit, not quite so similar sounding. It'd be easy to, easier to speak. There are clues. The, the, the fact that Jesus is actually able to talk to Judas above the hubbub of the questions that the rest of the disciples are asking. The fact that Jesus is able to pass Judas a morsel of food directly to his hand. There are clues here that that Judas has been placed on the left hand side of Jesus had they been sitting at the table instead of reclining, which is the place of honor in a Middle Eastern dinner table. Jesus has hosted a meal and he has invited these people, uh, these disciples to eat this special feast with him and included in this guest list. Jesus has invited Judas. And then just like at a meal for us the, to have the host stand up and to pick up that dish and to scoop the spoon into it and actually scoop his food onto your plate is a is a is an honorable thing for a host to do today for Jesus to actually take that piece of bread and to scoop 
whatever it was in that bowl that, bowl that other translations call the, the sop, to actually scoop that piece of bread and then to reach over and to hand it directly to Judas is an even higher honor. And we see here that Judas, Jesus, knowing that Judas was going to betray him, he says it twice in this particular passage. He says in verse 18, I am not referring to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture that he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And then to say in a few, few more moments, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Jesus, knowing exactly who that was, treats Judas with hospitality, invites him into the dinner room, sits him in a place of honor, and then feeds him almost directly from his own hand. Jesus offers Judas hospitality, but Jesus doesn't only offer Judas hospitality, he offers him protection. Jesus has protected Judas's reputation. Jesus is God. Jesus has the knowledge of God. We, we learned earlier in the Gospel of John, earlier in Jesus' ministry, that he knew early in his ministry that Judas was going to be the one to betray him. And yet when the disciples are told, point blank, one of you is going to betray me, they don't know who it is. They go, is it me? Is it, who is it? Who can it be? In fact, we're told in the other Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that there's this great almost argument. Everybody's going around going, am I, is it going to be me, Jesus? Is it going to be, is it, am I going to do it? And, and Judas even kind of to, to, to fit in says, is it I? And of course, Jesus, Jesus, according to the other Gospels, says, well, you're the one that has said it, not me. But look, so Jesus has protected his reputation up till now, but he even protects his reputation here in the moment. What happens when Judas gets up to leave? Nobody knows where he's going. But what has happened before Judas got up to leave? John asks Jesus who's going to betray him, and Jesus answered. And what we can infer from this is that Jesus answered probably under his breath. With all the noise that was going around, with all the, the talking that was going around, Dr. Carson in his commentary said, Jesus probably answered in such a way that nobody could hear him. Or maybe in such a way that only Judas would have been able to hear him. That Judas would understand. So even in the moment when Jesus has revealed, one of you will betray me, he's still protecting Judas. And he's still protecting his reputation. But that's not all Jesus is protecting here. It says here, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Before this night has happened, Judas has already been to the priests, to the religious leaders. He has already accepted payment for the betrayal of Jesus. But there's a sense in this language here of Satan entering Judas at that moment that it was still undecided in Judas's heart. Jesus has not turned him over completely to Satan at this point, up until this point. Jesus has protected Judas from the evil one up to this point. And in rejecting Judas, in, in rejecting Jesus, in taking the morsel, knowing full well what he is about to do, it, it's like the last straw. 
And we have this fearful judgment that passes upon Judas where Satan enters his heart. We're told in Romans chapter one that God is revealed in all of creation. His glory, his immenseness is revealed in all of creation. We're told in Romans chapter two that the law of God that is written upon our heart reveals the righteousness that God expects from each and every one of us. Even if you never crack open a Bible, anytime you make a judgment on right or wrong, you are condemning yourself before God knowing what the law is. But God protects us from that. He gives us a conscience up to a point, Romans 1 says. He said, if you push against God enough, if you pursue the desires of your own heart, contrary to God's desires long enough, God will give you exactly what you want, which is separation from him and the ability to pursue your own desires. Up until this point, Judas, Jesus has protected Judas and at this point, Judas makes the last crucial decision to accept this hospitality, to accept this honor from Jesus and to still reject him. Jesus removes the protection. And the die is cast. Judas has made his final decision. Judas has made his final judgment and Satan enters him Instead of Jesus entering him to give him the strength to choose right, Satan enters him to push him over the edge. Judas is still responsible for everything he did. He chose on his own. And yet God gave him exactly what he wanted, which was the ability, the desire, and the opportunity to betray Jesus. So Jesus offers Judas hospitality. He offers Judas protection and why did he offer them these two things? Because he was also extending grace to Judas. Judas is a sinner like all of us. Judas was entering this meal intent upon betraying our Lord and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus was still being gracious to him. Jesus was still treating him in love. Jesus still washed his feet, washed the filth and the dirt and the disgust that we talked about last week off of Judas's feet, knowing full well that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus still offers grace to those who reject him, to those that he knows who reject him. The, the offer of grace is there for everybody. The offer of grace is there to be proclaimed to everybody, even to those who reject. And one of the reasons I think, and this is purely me, this is purely conjecture, but one of the reasons I think Jesus did not answer explicitly when John said, Lord, who are you talking about? Jesus didn't go, all right, everybody be quiet. I'm talking about Judas over here. That's exactly who I'm talking about is Judas. It's because when we read the gospel accounts, especially the one we're going to look at next week, well, my goodness, Peter betrays Judas or Jesus three times. According to the other gospels, as soon as the shepherd is struck, all the sheep scatter. All this talk that they've had during this last night of Jesus, we've got two swords, we'll do anything, we'll protect you, nothing's going to happen to you. As soon as the soldiers show up, poof, they're gone. 
And I think the reason, like I said, this is all me. I think the reason Jesus doesn't expose Judas is because the answer to the question, is it I, for each disciple is, yes, it's absolutely you. And when we read these words and we think in the back of our head, goodness, am I going to betray Jesus? Yes, you will. Whether it's because you stumble and fall into sin or whether it's like me, you have clear cut op softball opportunities to share the gospel and sometimes you just kind of slink away instead of sharing. Each and every one of us is going to betray Jesus. And he offers us grace and forgiveness anyway. Judas rejected the grace. That's one of the things it talks about. That's one of the things that the ultimate sin that we can commit is rejecting the grace of God forever. The grace offered and extended to us. If we reject it long enough, God will say, fine, I rescind the offer. But even up until this last moment, there was a chance for Judas and he rejected. Jesus showed hospitality to Jesus. Jesus showed protection to Judas and Jesus showed grace to Judas. This happens, this occurs in the portion of Jesus' ministry to his closest group of friends. Uh, there were probably close to 100, quote, disciples, but there were 12 just inner circle disciples that followed Jesus, and this was his ministry to them. If we look at Paul's letter to the Colossians in verse, chapter, in verse 3, beginning in verse 12, chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, we hear these words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. As God's church expanded throughout the centuries and as God's church expands here in Fairley, there are going to be a lot of different people that walk through this door and sit and worship and fellowship and, and become members of the body of Christ. And hopefully someday we're all a little different. Right now, we're all very similar in our thought processes. Right now, we're all very similar in our demographics. We're, we're all almost exactly alike in our skin tones, in our political leanings, in our demographics, our economic places. And as the church grows, as the church changes, and as more and more people who are in different places than we are enter these doors, there's the, the potential for strife and betrayal. But because Jesus offered grace to Judas, we can offer grace to everybody, even those we disagree with, even those that we call brother that we disagree with, even those who betray us, even those who break our confidence. As we become more and more like Jesus, Paul says to the Colossian Christians, Paul is talking to Colossian Christians who are trying to figure out how to live together as the people of God. As a new group of Christians who are growing and growing together and growing larger. 
And he says, you treat each other with compassionate hearts. You treat each other with kindness. Treat each other with humility and patience and meekness. You don't all look and talk and act the same. You can have your differences, but you're united in Christ. And Paul bases it in the work of Christ. Paul bases it in the cross and that, that event that led to the cross, the betrayal. If Jesus can offer hospitality to those who betrayed him, we can offer hospitality to those we disagree with. If Jesus can protect the reputation and the soul of somebody who betrayed him, we can seek to protect the, rest, the reputation and restore the soul of somebody who we just may disagree with on favorite color or favorite football team. And if Jesus can offer grace to the one who betrayed him, then we can offer grace to those who betray us as well. Let us pray. To the glorious God above, thank you for the grace offered to us when we betray so that we might offer grace to those who betray us. Lord, help us to live in the knowledge and grow in the knowledge of your righteousness that is ours so that we might treat others with kindness, with compassionate hearts, with humility, meekness, and patience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.